The Pinball Network is online. Launching. Just another pinball podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Joel Engelberth with Just Another Pinball Podcast, Episode 7. Um, very excited to record this episode. Uh, first off, thank you for anybody that listened to the last episode, Episode 6. Episode 6, I knew I had some time in the car with my dad. And I know I've experienced or had some fun experiences with my dad so far in this hobby. So I thought it would be worth bringing a microphone with us to record um, on that trip. Now, I knew there was going to be road noise. I knew it wasn't going to be optimal conditions. Um, So if anybody only got a few minutes into that podcast and realized I can't stand, you know, I can't deal with that background hum or buzz, I I don't blame you. But for anybody that stuck it out, you know, thank you for listening to that, even though the audio quality was not that great. Speaking of audio quality, I actually have got a new mic. Um, I actually do software support for a living, so I spend a good bit of time um, on the phone helping customers. And being that I work from home, I do have a two-year-old and a three-month-old here at home, um, and they're home as well. So I realized my previous mic, uh, it was a blue a blue Yeti mic. It works great. Um, but it, it picks up everything, everything. So even outside of my home office here, uh, it would pick up them even talking in, in the background. So this new mic has a gain knob, so I'm able to fine tune it a little better to only pick up, hopefully only pick up, you know, my voice. Um, so hopefully the audio quality is a little better on this on this episode, but we'll uh, we'll wait and see. So yeah, I'm excited to record another episode here. And uh, we'll just dive on in here. Um, first off, I, I know, so last last episode, I, I it was really more just a discussion with my dad, kind of sharing some entertaining stories of some of the pick up, pickups and stuff that I've done. And, and the, the point of that was just, you know, I, I think this hobby can be somewhat contagious or infectious. And, uh, you know, try to bring people into it. There are some amazing people in, in this in this hobby. And, and I've found pinball people to be very friendly and very nice. And uh, I think my dad's been pleasantly surprised um, once he dove in and was able to experience that. And every pickup I've had so far has been has been just a fun experience. So I would say buying and selling has been a fun part in this hobby just because it's been a great networking and a tool and a, and a chance to meet other people in this hobby. Um, so that was the main point of that episode. But I, I do know at the end of the day, it was just you know me and my dad talking for 45 minutes. So hopefully people enjoyed that or the, the banter between the two of us. Um, but the episode before that, one of the things I discussed was Canada and I discussed Canada's podcast. And so here we are, we're a few weeks out from, or well over a month out from having any of Canada's podcast. And I have found myself missing it, but, um, it's almost as if what I've been missing, I I feel like there's news or I feel like there's almost drama in the hobby that I'm missing. And it's funny that I care about that. Um, what I mean is, you know, right now, Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the last pinball machine announced. Hot Wheels has been announced. And so everybody's seen that. Their people are streaming that. People are wanting to play it. But unfortunately, with the current situation, trying to find a machine and being able to play machines has been somewhat of a challenge. So like any new pinball machine, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of discussion. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Then it gets released. People say it's the best thing ever. And then all of a sudden they start nitpicking it or saying all the things they wish were different. Um, and so, I mean, that's a pretty common roller coaster there. 
and I'm going to discuss both Hot Wheels and, and Turtles, but um, to my surprise, though, I, I'm just, I was so used to getting multiple podcasts a week from Canada, and, and there always seemed to be something wrong or, or some issue that he was bringing to light. And so here I am, you know, it's been well over a month since we've had an episode, and obviously we're not going to have any more episodes from Canada. But what I feel I'm missing is I feel like there's drama that I don't know about. And, um, and I don't know, and, and maybe there is, and, and it's just not being brought to light. Um, obviously I don't know any of the rumors. I don't know any of the stuff coming out. And, and that was, that's what I really enjoyed about Canada's pinball podcast. But, but I, what I'm finding is part of me misses the drama. Cause I feel like stuff's going on and, and unless I scoured Pinside and, and all the different threads, you know, that would be the only way I know about it. But at the same time, it's, it is actually somewhat refreshing. I, I, I am enjoying that. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm almost happier. I'm, I'm enjoying the hobby or I feel like I'm allowed to enjoy the hobby because I'm not constantly focusing on or discussing some of the negativity or some of the stuff that's going on in the background. So definitely pros and cons. I, I do, I, I would still say I do miss uh, that podcast though, just because it, it was a great source of, of news and information. And even if some of the news was dramatic or even if some of the information was rumored, it was just, it was a consistent, um, news source and and I do miss that. So I don't I don't miss the the lack of negativity though. Like I, I like that. I like that I feel like I can enjoy this hobby more, which is great. So to talk about some of the, the new machines that have come out, to be honest, I have not played either Hot Wheels or TMNT. But what what I will say is I have been very surprised with Hot Wheels. Um you know, I, I've said that I'm buying a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles machine. I have a pro on order and I'm still waiting on it. Um, but Hot Wheels, just watching some of the streams and just watching the way some people talk about it, you know, there's been moments where it's like, well, shoot, should, did I buy the wrong one? And, you know, that, that thought pops into my head and, and I quickly realized the answer is no. I mean, my, my love for turtles goes way beyond pinball, um, you know, I, I love, I like turtles and I've enjoyed turtles my whole life. Hot Wheels has never really been a theme that I've liked, but I've been that impressed by the machine watching its stream. The code looks enjoyable. It looks like there's different options. There's different paths, different things you can try to take. It looks like there's some pretty crazy scoring things you can pursue. And the light show looks awesome. And so, um, Fliptronic is one of the TPN streamers and, and they just got, a um hot wheels and they it it looks really really good uh it looks very very entertaining so i would definitely recommend checking out that stream um as they do a really good job streaming it the quality of that stream is very very good um but turtles i will say i have not watched a ton of streams because i know i want to play it i know i want to play it in person but what i will say or I'm looking forward to getting mine and kind of really diving in and seeing a lot of the animations and stuff for myself. But what I do see when I watch the streams is people like it. People like it a lot. And it's gotten a lot of praise um, from different other podcasters, other people have played it. What I what I am hearing is it's very fast and it can be a very hard pin. Um, you know, Jack Danger has has streamed it with Deadflip multiple times. And he plays four-player co-op a lot, and he's not just, you know, cruising to the end every single time. He plays four-player, which is 12 balls. So that says a lot. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the challenge. I'm excited to play it. Uh, I'm just excited to get it and have an opportunity to play it. 
Um, but what's funny is I said, I don't want to talk about the negativity, but I will say being that I am a future TMNT owner, I have been scouring the, the Pinside Turtles threads. And, um, what's interesting is initially the threads were hype and then there were a few stern pros on location. And so it was a lot of people posting that, like I had a chance to play it. It was great. You know, it was a lot of the initial reviews were very good. And then all of a sudden the LE owners started to get their machines. And that's where, unfortunately, there have been some, some bad things. Um, the two bad things that a lot of people bring up are one, there's with the LE model, there's a van, the turtle van, and it locks balls. Well, there's a diverter that goes off of that ramp that will pop open that then will cause the balls instead of them to go all the way around the ramp will actually go into the turtle van. Apparently that diverter is, if it gets loose, it can hit the side of the ramp very hard to the point where it can scratch the ramp. The, the ramp. Or what a lot of people are finding, and, and maybe a lot isn't fair, but there, there are multiple, multiple people posting on Pinside where they go to get their games and whatever, how the, how the diverter is attached to the coil that controls it, there's a nut there and it's, and it's loose. It's either loose or it's loose to the point where it's falling off. And that is an issue. You know, these are, these are brand new machines that are coming right out of the box. And um, just in shipping, all of a sudden the diverter is broken. And so some of these LE buyers, especially on the on the forum, these are huge Turtles fans or TMNT fans for their entire lives. And this is the only pinball machine they've ever owned or bought. And so here they are spending $10,000 on a brand new machine, kind of new to this hobby. And the first thing they're having to do is disassemble their play field to screw some stuff back together. So it sucks to see that, that, that this is their first experience of pinball and they're regretting it or, or frustrated by it or mad about it. Um, and that's unfortunate. And that's just comes down to QC as, is, is, I don't know if that's bad design or poor design, or if it's poor QC where, where it's just leaves the facility that way, or is it an issue with shipping where it shakes it loose? But what I have found very interested is literally with an hour before I started recording this podcast, Stern, or I just saw it on Pinside, somebody posted it, but they just released a, um, basically a, brochure or a, or a like an instructional pdf straight from stern on how to disassemble and reassemble that diverter because at least they are recognizing that it is an issue and so they've created a bulletin for it i'll be very curious by the time the premiums come out what they'll do different what i did see i looked at the bulletin and the only thing that they said is basically how to take it apart so that you can put it back together and the one thing they recommended where what it looks like is to add a little loctite little Loctite, which is some like a liquid that you would add to those threads to kind of glue it so that screw won't come undone, which is one of those like, okay, that's that's a fix, but it seems more like a workaround. I don't know. If I was an LE buyer, would I be annoyed by it? I probably would. If I was an LE buyer and my diverter was working great, I'd probably still have that worry or fear in the back of my head that it's just a matter of time until that nut works itself loose. Um, so it's unfortunate. And, and I don't know if that's due to lack of testing or if it's a QC issue or what. But um, I know Stern's quality control has been bashed for for a long time, or the whole time that I've been in the hobby, they, they talk bad about it. And, uh, you know, I don't. there are things that are good. I, I, I've heard that the overall, the play field quality, people are saying the dimpling is nowhere near what it was on Stranger Things, uh, which, side note, I actually am currently borrowing a Stranger Things 
from Zach at Flipping Out Pinball. He was nice enough to lend me this for the next month to stream. And there are a lot of dimples. There's there's no doubt about that. I think part of that is, you know, you're shooting a ball up a ramp. It's hitting something. It's ricocheting off. And so that ball is falling back on the play field from, multi, you know, a few inches. I don't, I don't know other games that have a bash toy like this, an elevated bash toy. So it makes sense why I'm seeing more dimples. But there are. There are a lot of dimples on the game. It doesn't affect gameplay, but you do see them, and and people are saying with this, the it seems like stern. There's no pooling, there's no chipping, there's no dimples, so that playfield issue, quote unquote issue, looks that that they fixed that, and that was something as a buyer, I was a little worried about that. You know, it's like maybe I really should wait until it's used. That way, I have a chance to look at my machine. But I've been very happy to hear that it does not seem like there are playfield issues which is awesome. That's good for Stern for figuring that out. Um, there's a few other things setting up my the Stranger Things that I've been borrowing. It looks like they've like added washers to the leg bolts. So it's like, okay, now they care about whether or not the bolts are scratching up the powder coat. Like, okay, that costs them an extra 10 cents to add those in, but that's that's cool. The the brackets on inside and on on pin side there was a guy Dakota Mike. He just posted and he posted this list of questions. Shout out to Dakota to Dakota Mike by the way. Um, he posted a list of questions about this was his first new Stern pin or modern Stern pin, and so he was wondering you know the leg brackets on the inside. It looks like they're beefy strong leg brackets. I know what was it like back in guardians of the galaxy time they were having issues with the cabinet splitting so sterns responded they now it looks like that's a standard thing um i've also been surprised where it looks like there are metal rails all along both sides of the play field and i don't know i had guardians of the galaxy but i don't remember if there was metal rails there or not but it looks like that's nice strong rails now i say strong and and stern usually gets knocked because their cabinets feel very light so I don't know, they're using some different type of plywood or how it's built, or maybe it's the metal head the back box or what, but they do definitely feel lighter than other machines. But um, there is something about it, though, that even though it feels light, it still feels well-built, and it still feels like, I, I don't know, I'm not, I've owned Hobbit, I own JJP, that thing was a tank, I, I own TNA, a spooky machine, that thing is is beefy and well-built as well. Um and then you, you and you compare it to like an old System 11 game where those are built like a tank. You know, it does feel different, but it still feels good. It feels new. It feels crisp, clean. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited for, for Turtles to come in. But the play, I don't know, the QC issues, I wish Stern, I wish this was just something that 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 wasn't always discussed every single time a new title comes out of, of what are the issues. And, and you know, it is, it is a mechanical device. There are going to be issues. You know, there are other games that have those issues. Um, I'd be very curious. You know, Hot Wheels, there aren't a ton of owners that I know right now, but I'd be very curious if they if there's any issues with that machine, being that that's a new release. Obviously, Pirates had a bunch of issues when that game came out. There were a few issues with Wonka when that came out. So, you know, it's it's probably unfair to Stern to say that's the only game. Look at look at Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, they didn't have... Uh, they, they had some things that needed adjusted right out of the box, the way that the ball launched... They, they had instructional videos within days of like, check this. This is how you're going to fix that, which I applaud them for. You know, if, if they see that there's a large discussion on the forums, respond to that and, and say, here you go. Just just give people peace of mind that we see this or we recognize it or you know what? This is the fix for it instead of ignoring it, which is which is awesome. So 
Stern QC, I don't know. I'm not I'm not disheartened at all. I, I'm very much looking forward to getting mine and I have I have complete faith that it'll be in good shape or it'll be in good working order because it is a pro, so a few of the mechs aren't gonna have those issues. The other mech, by the way, was there's a server. There's the the Raphael glider is on a is another diverter and it's on a servo. And apparently a few owners have had issues with their servo. But that servo seems like it's like a very common servo in a hobby, in like the airplane hobby or air, like like a little robot robotic type hobbies. So apparently that would be a rather common thing or common part to work on. So overall, I mean, um, good stuff. Um, another thing worth discussing. I, I have got to give a shout out. Now, I know on the pinball show, Zach and, and Dennis talked about this a little bit today. But um, I cannot recommend enough the super awesome pinball show with Christopher Franchi and Christian and Christian's wife, Mrs. Penn. They did an interview with George Gomez. And it, I would have to admit it's probably one of the best interviews that I've heard since I've been in this hobby. Um, I loved it. Um, not only was it well ran and well, it was a great interview, but George Gomez was awesome. He, he answered so many questions and it, it's almost like it was unfiltered, uh, which was amazing. There were, while they were interviewing, I was thinking to myself, well, they're like, man, I wish, I wish he'd, they'd kind of push him on this, or I wish they'd kind of ask him about this. And he addressed almost everything that I was thinking. Um, so what I mean by that, there's a lot of, uh, I, I, I would recommend absolutely go listen to the podcast, but I'm going to hit a few points here. I'm not trying to steal their thunder. Um, but listen to that podcast. It, it was fantastic. And to be honest, if, if I could interview somebody, if I could pick one industry professional right now to interview, I would interview George Gomez. Even though I just heard him interviewed, I just would, I the way he talked and the way that he discussed the business and the production size of these machines, I just found fascinating. As much as I love, you know, listening to designers like with turtles i i've listened to the zombie yeti interviews and i thought it was amazing i thought it was great hearing about how he did the art and i've listened to dwight sullivan interviews of, of how he how he thought about the code and the way that he was approaching this game but like i want to know more about like the timetable and the behind the scenes that's what i want to know because that's that's what isn't discussed typically where you know george is talking about they typically know games that are two years out and it's like, okay, can you give us just a rough breakdown of like how much time do you allot for this? How much time do you allot for that? Like, I'm just very curious to see what type of time crunch or time, you know, does it take? Does it take a designer? Do they have two months from Whitewood to final production before they have to sign off on the 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 physical aspects of the game? I, I don't know. Like, how long does does an artist have to put together an art package? I know Zombie Yeti hinted at that, where it's like, you only have so much time. And so if he has whatever X amount of time to do um, back boxes, then the, the, the trans lights, then where is he going to focus that time? And I don't, it, it just, I was fascinated by this interview. So a few of the highlights. One of the things that I found really interesting was he talked about accessories and he made the comment of Stern is getting into the accessory market. And why is that? He said, well, you know, they've been making games for years. And what they realized is a lot of these owners are hot rotting. As he said, they're taking their games and then they're making it their own. And why not? Why would Stern not do that as well? You know, 
Porsche does with BMW, um, Harley Davidson, you know, you buy the, like Harley Davidson, you buy your Harley stock, but then you're going to add all the things on it that you want to make it your own. And people are doing that with pinball machines. So if they're doing it, why not? Why shouldn't Stern do it as well? And if Stern is going to do it, why would they not offer you something that the other mod makers can't do? And that's an interesting mentality because I know, say what you want about the Jurassic Park topper. It's a $600 topper that looks like it's just a few sheets of plastic and some fancy lights. And it's $600, which to me, I'm like, man, that's a lot of money for that topper. There's no denying that. But the one thing that they were able to do is they were able to build code into that topper that actually reacts to the game or changes with the game. And then they went a whole step further and actually coded in a, a new mode. Now, that can create some drama where it's like, okay, now we have DLC. You have to buy the topper to play that mode. Um, I do feel that that mode isn't like a revolutionary or life-changing mode. That would be a different story. If if you had to buy the topper, so on J in, in Jersey, in sorry, not JJP, in Jurassic Park, um, there's a kind of like a speed running mode where if you want to, before you start the game, you can do... Um, escape nublar i think is what it's called where it's like you basically skip to the wizard mode at the back and it's awesome it's an amazing feature that they added to jurassic park now if you had to buy the topper to be able to get that feature then i would be pissed like i would absolutely be pissed even though it's in the game it's like that is a huge feature like that is an awesome awesome feature now and that would if that was having something you'd have to buy i'd be upset if um turtles turtles topper Let's say they coded it or made it where, okay, if you want co-op in your game, you have to pay an extra $200. I would be pissed, like, because I would do it. I know how big of a, of a thing co-op is, and I think co-op has, like, completely surprised everybody. Um, obviously, I love co-op in TNA. Co-op's one of the main reasons, another one of the great reasons why I'm buying Turtles. But I think a lot of people are realizing how awesome co-op is, and I bet co-op will become standard or become a standard thing in, in most Stern games moving forward, if not all of them. But if that became a thing where you had to pay extra to be able to do that, I would be upset. I would be very upset about that. Um, but George talked about the accessories, and he talked about that as, you know, we feel like this is an opportunity where we can we can make our accessories stand out, or we can go further with that. Like the Stranger Things shooting shooter rod. You know, based on where you are in the game, the lights change or react to that. Like, you can't, I don't know, they have the luxury of editing the code to to fit their accessories. And so I get that. I understand that. When it's presented that way, it doesn't seem to me as much of a money grab. It's more of a, hey, if you want this accessory to work seamlessly and interact with our code, then yeah, you need to buy it from us and it's going to cost a little more because there's development time and, and that's built in and, you know, they want to make a little money. So I, I get that and I understand some people don't. They still think $600 for a topper is ridiculous and they want, you know, if they're paying $10,000 for the LE, it should come with it. You know what? I can agree with that. If you're paying $10,000 for a pinball machine, you would think it would have everything, but it doesn't. And the reality is I think a lot of LE buyers will probably just pay the extra money to get it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's a, a stereotype that I'm assuming, but I, I'm not an LE buyer. Um, what I will say, though, is um, as a TMT owner, TMNT owner, I know like 
I'm very curious to see what the topper is. And and part of that's like, okay, should I start saving? Is it going to be something that I feel I must have for my game? Or is it going to be a very quick pass? Like, nope, that's way too expensive. Or no, I'm really not getting much out of that. I don't have any regret passing it up. I don't know, but I'm very curious. And that's the thing. I am very curious based off of some of the toppers that have come out. Some of them are really, really cool. And I've never had a topper on my game unless you count the beacon on top of TNA, but I'm still waiting for that to see what what's going to come there. Um, so he talked about toppers. Another thing that he discussed about toppers and they asked him, which I thought was a great question, was was Kaneda always presented toppers as like an afterthought. He, he He's like, why, why were the toppers never released with the game? Is that just another department that thinks about them afterwards or what? And, and George Gomez has actually said, no, toppers are absolutely considered early on in the development phase. I mean, the accessories that would be included are, are, are part of, you know, early on in, in the discussion. So I'm assuming the TMNT topper has already been designed and discussed, and it was probably thought up somewhere between Zombie Yeti, Dwight Sullivan, John Borg, you know, somebody, the mechanical engineer, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but like that, they've already decided that. So it's not an afterthought. Um, so I'm very curious, well, what does that mean? How much money is set aside? You know, well, that's probably not a question you'd ask, but like, do they, do you already have a price point developed or, or do you have a price point you're shooting for with a topper? And then if you need a lot more code, like I know the Black Knight topper, we talked about that, the amount of sayings and the way that the, the Black Knight is reacting to what you're doing and his emotions, you know, there's a lot of code that was written, written into that topper to move. So I'm assuming based on the time and the energy put forth in that topper, it would probably increase the price or licensing, you know, Jurassic Park has licensing costs with that topper. But it was it was it was good to hear that because I think it's always been presented or assumed that the toppers were just kind of an afterthought. That's why they're always so late, and it's just it's just a chance to take your money for for something that's completely unnecessary. But no, it it, it doesn't seem like that's the case at all. And so while while he was talking about that, I was thinking in my head like, man, I wish they'd kind of ask him about the the Stranger Things UV light kit. And believe it or not, he brought it up on his own. He said, yeah, for all the crap that we got for our UV light kit. And he explained that. And I and I was so glad he did instead of just brushing it off. Because what he said was that was something that they knew or thought about from way early on. And they had to do a ton of time and testing in the technology, like the print technology needed for that. Now, I said I do software support for a living, but my undergrad was graphic design. My master's was in technical printing. So I actually know a good bit about printing and, and screen printing and digital printing and inks and substrates and, and, and how that cures and reacts. Um, you know, I actually have some knowledge there. And, and that was really interesting to hear that, that they were obviously, I don't know if that was internal or external, but working with a printer on how do we print this UV light or UV ink? How do we make it so it's not visible normally, but then we have to put a clear coat over that. How do we get the maximum amount of reaction? You know, so there was a lot of testing that he said, a lot of R and D that went into that, um, to figure out how that UV ink was going to work on that play field. And he said it got to a point where they realized we've invested a lot of money in this. And so we either need to can it and say, forget it, or we're going to have to increase the cost of the games. And so that's where, you know, I think all Stern games have been going up and in price. And, and do I feel they've communicated very well? Why? No. I mean, they say, they're going up because the bill of materials or the cost of metal and plastics and, and stuff is going up. And that, that may a hundred percent be the truth, but 
if they, I don't know, I there's that's that's where it's a lose lose right there because if all of a sudden if the game comes out and it's two hundred dollars more, and we say, well, we raised the price because we included the light kit. There's going to be plenty of people and be like two hundred dollars. That light kit is fifty bucks worth of parts, if that. Or really, you're gonna you know two hundred dollars more because I'm already paying six grand whatever, seven grand, 10 grand, whatever it is, like there would be people that could, would complain. But that's what he said is they were at a point where they were they going to have to can it for a loss and nobody would get it or they were going to have to raise the price of the game. And then apparently somebody had, somebody had the idea of, well, let's make this an accessory. Well, that brings up the question of, well, what does that mean? Do we only print the UV light for the premiums and the LEs? And they're like, no, that's not fair. We need to make it accessible to all models. And it's like, well, the reality is I don't know how, how many of those those uh, Stranger Things machines are out there, but the percentage of them that own the UV light kit are, I have no idea, it's probably low. So that means that's a sunk cost or a cost that they put into all these games when only a, you know, a smaller grouping actually by the UV light kit. So it did cost Stern money to do that. And, and just the way that he explained it, it was one of those like, oh, okay, I get it. I understand why you charge $250 for that kit. It wasn't $250 worth of plastic or LEDs, it was you had to you had to make your, your R&D cost back. You had to justify paying for that ink on everybody's play field. I mean, I, I get it. That's, that's how they need to make money or stay in business. Um, and I will say, after, after playing this Stranger Things for two weeks, I, would, I really wish it had a UV light kit in it. I definitely think it would add to the game. And if it was mine, if I owned this game, I would pay the $250 for it just because I know it would add to the game. So the main thing that I liked, though, about him explaining all this was, one, the thought behind it, but two, it was just the communication. And that, that, that kind of leads me to a solid point here is I wish, I wish things like this were communicated more clearly. And I feel like there's a lot of issues or a lot of things that, that happen with Stern or even some of the other pinball manufacturers that just things are never really communicated to the buyers of, of what the issue is. And I, and I was trying to think of why that would be. And, you know, there's a lot of people on pin side, but not, I don't, I doubt the majority of pinball owners are on pin side. And, and so do they need to send out an email to every buyer? You know, it's not like it's a, what am I trying to think? It's not like it's a, a warranty thing or like where, when you have a car part that goes faulty where they have to legally let every owner know. No, I, I don't think that's it at all. But, um, one thing I have really enjoyed about owning a TNA is both Spooky employees and Scott Denisi on the TMA forum will post and they will reply. And, and that's got to be hard because there's a lot more people that probably complain than there are that praise. But just the fact that I know that if I have, a, if I have an idea for TNA code, I can me message Scott Denisi, the designer, the creator of the game, and he replies back like, hey, that's a great idea. I wish I had time to do that. Or you know what? I'm actually planning on doing that. Or like, I love that I, as a passionate owner, have a chance to talk to the designer. And one thing I've been really surprised about with the, the TMT, TMNT forum is Dwight Sullivan is on that. He will respond to certain people's posts. And his name's Zachary with an X. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody spell it that way. But um, you can you can like post messages at him and he sometimes responds. And just the fact that I do feel like there is a little bit of dialogue there is great. So that's the, the only thing I could encourage is, is it's probably exhausting for some of the Stern employees to be on something like Pinside because there are so many people that complain 
that I don't want them to get burnt out if that's all they're reading is like, man, people really hate this. But at the same time, if there is an issue or a known issue, I wish it was better communicated. And if that's just a statement of send it to a podcaster, send it to, you know, one of the bigger podcasts out there like the Pinball Network or Super Awesome Pinball Show or some of the other podcasts that get a lot of listens, just like, hey, we got to, you know, just a heads up. We heard this from Stern and, you know, because a lot of the podcasters are pretty passionate and they'll probably end up posting something on Pinside like, yes, we've heard about this. We have a fix coming. You know, we apologize for the inconvenience. I don't know. Just something like that. I, I just feel like. I don't, me personally, I'm a big fan of communication. I feel like there's, there's rarely a situation where you, you can over communicate if there's a problem. And so that's just like the diverter issue that it's great that, that Stern just released that, 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 uh, brochure or or bulletin on how to fix that. But I wish it was communicated a little more clearly or something mentioned there in Pinside or whatnot, like just, just so it was communicated. But With all that said, I would say the George Gomez interview was fantastic. Please read it or listen to it. Uh, Super awesome pinball show. It was awesome. Um, And I respect the heck out of him for answering those questions and the way that he just carried himself and discussed um, what they're doing at Stern. Really, as a a buyer, uh, gave me more reassurance that I'm in good hands and that that there are people there that that really care about these things and even though they're not responding on pin side they are listening and um, they are reacting which is great so uh, talk a little more about TMNT I, I mentioned the topper that I am curious but one thing I will say that I've I've already I've already received something for my machine and that's actually the art blades and there's two things I want to mention about the art blades I bought the official art blades from Stern. And what I expected was two stickers. And technically they are, but I will say the quality of these are way better than I thought. The printing quality is good and the stock that it's printed on is thicker. It's almost like it's it feels like it's a has like a plastic protection on it. So I I just was really worried that they'd get scratched or bent or torn easily and I'm I, I'm not worried about that at all now that I have those. Now I said I received them. I actually won them. I won them watching a stream. And that's something I want to bring to you guys' attention. There are people that stream pinball. And for some of you people that are listening to this hobby, the idea of watching somebody else play pinball on a screen sounds so dumb. And it it may be. Maybe is the answer. But for those of you that are interested in it, there are some amazing streams out there that have sponsored giveaways and sponsored people. Um, One of them is the Flipping Out stream every Monday night. Zach Mini typically with flipping out gives away um, something on stream and it's kind of a quiz. It's like a quick reaction guess. So one one week was he gave away a a, a TMNT banner, a Stern banner, um, and the the game that you had to do there was he had just unboxed his Turtles LE and you had to guess what number he had. So people are frantically putting in numbers. Um, mine was more of a he had kind of a quiz question based on the podcast that him and Dennis had released earlier that day. And believe it or not, uh, he had he had had a few give, other giveaways where he had asked specifics from from his podcast. So when I had listened to it earlier, I had actually kind of mentally written down or like prepared myself on some of the random specifics that he might say. 
and he had kind of sang a song at the beginning of, of his podcast. And I will guarantee you right now, there will never be any singing on, on this podcast because uh, nobody nobody wants that. Um, but I do find it entertaining when Zach does it, mainly because I know how much it annoys Dennis. And, and I love hearing his reaction to it. But I just, uh, he had made a, sing a song at the beginning and I, re, I remembered who it was. It was Heart and uh, uh, I'm Alone was the song. Um and I just remembered that. And so later on that night when, when I was on stream, he that was one of the questions he asked and I happened to know it. And so I actually won those. So I would recommend this hobby is big, but it's not that big. And so most of these streams, when you get on, there may be anywhere between 20 to 100 people watching. And that's actually the second thing I've won watching somebody stream pinball. I actually won Buffalo Pinball was doing a giveaway one day and I won a Jersey Jack t-shirt just from you know watching them do it. I know dead flip was given away some trans lights recently and same thing. It's just, if you watch, um, I don't, I just encourage you. It's a fun, if you have some time or you're just looking for something to do, get a Twitch account, sign in, you know, that way you can participate in chat and there's some giveaways and you might, you might win something, which is pretty cool. So that was something that I was planning on buying anyways. And it saved me whatever, 20, $75 plus shipping. So streaming, I do, I personally stream and I cannot, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, if you enjoy playing pinball and you're at all tech savvy, you know, the idea of playing by yourself, if you enjoy playing by yourself and you enjoy kind of being on that island there or just alone in your basement or your arcade or whatever, playing by yourself, good for you. But I love playing with people and this is the closest thing I have right now to playing with other people. So I stream every Wednesday night. Uh, from 10 to midnight Eastern Standard Time, my I'm just another pinball stream, and uh, I love it. Just the way that people hop in with chat and the interaction, and they give you game tips or give you suggestions on the modes, or you, or you're just shooting the breeze about whatever. It's an excuse to go play pinball. I feel like I'm getting better every time I'm playing. I'm starting to recognize there are certain people that come back every week. It's just an awesome little community to be a part of, and so I could not recommend enough. Cannot recommend enough. Um, it, if you want to get into streaming, go for it. If you're interested about it, hit me up. I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Just another pinball at gmail.com. Um, there's some amazing streamers out there. TPN actually now kind of sponsors a bunch of different streamers. I, I say sponsor. There's there's no money or anything, but it's just like here's our group and here are the times and, and there's a Discord where you can interact with each other and, and it's just awesome. It's It's been a really fun addition to this hobby besides playing pinball buying pinball collecting fixing podcasting uh streaming there's so many different avenues of pinball which which has just been a blast um so i think yeah i think that's all i got um i would say silver ball swag i actually have some merch up there so if you have any interest in buying anything just another pinball related there's some cool merch up there uh, every one of my merchandise is customizable. So if you haven't noticed, I'm just another pinball stream, but I'm also just another pinball podcast on YouTube. I'm just another pinball show, which is right now just currently backups of my Twitch streams. But um, all my shirts say just another pinball and then the word under it, you can change. You can make it whatever you want. So just another pinball collector, just another pinball fan, just another pinball stream if you want i mean you can do whatever you want with those which are pretty cool and then i also um silverballswag.com i also made some cool dmd shirts for them um where you can get a customized grand champion shirt so you can do your initials and your number 
Um, there's some other cool DMD designs um, on there. So feel free to check that out. But um, if you have any feedback, any questions, anything that I can do, anything that I you'd like me to discuss, any viewpoints, anything like that, feel free to reach out at justanotherpinball at gmail.com. And um, I think that's all I've got. Um, I am definitely planning on in the future, once I get my turtles, um, discussing that kind of start to finish what this process has been so far. I still don't have it. I know pros are delayed. Um, but Zach has been very good communicating, you know, when he hears stuff. So I'm very curious. Hopefully I'll, I'll be getting that within the next few weeks. Uh, and then I also am planning on focusing a, a podcast on streaming. Uh, and what I mean by that is just like w- what I've done so far, how I've gotten into it, what you, what I'd recommend, what equipment I'd recommend, um, some of the just behind the scenes looks of what pinball streaming really is. Um, but I am. I'm welcome or, or happy to interview anybody else uh, for this podcast or, or have a discussion. If anybody has a topic that they really want to discuss and they want to get on the podcast with me, I'm fine with that. Otherwise, shoot me an email and I'm happy to discuss it that way. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got for this week. So thanks for listening. Uh, feel free to reach out. Just another pinball at gmail.com. And um, yeah, I just I really appreciate anybody giving me, you know, spending the time with me here. And uh, I look forward to talking um to you guys or hearing from you guys otherwise uh hopefully there'll be another podcast out within a week or two see ya